Welcome to the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, a part of the IDP Army Podcast Network. We are back again after week eight, which ended up kind of being a fun weekend of football. You know, if you missed it, taking the kids out to do something or, you know, maybe just getting your day drink on. I understand. I get it. It was kind of a week slate of games, but there was some fun things to come out of it. Um we're going to we're going to get into a few concerns I have. Um, the main bulk of this uh, podcast will be about defensive players, um, IDP. We're finally, going to wrap around to that. We got to kind of we're just going to touch base um, with the defensive players, kind of give a look in. We talked about them before the season, but haven't really made many updates. So I think we have a little bit more body of evidence to maybe talk about them and rank them a little bit differently than we had them at the beginning of the season. So that will be something that we'll be getting into on this episode. But we also have a few concerns here at the top with a few offensive players that I think could be doing better. But, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. So first, let's tailgate. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's glad to, I am so glad to have you back on this beautiful, you fill in the blank morning um, or afternoon or, you know, nighttime, whenever you're listening to this podcast. I'm happy to have you in. Happy to have you. Um, Draft season, like we, you know, I keep saying this, it's, it's a train that keeps on chugging and it's, it's, we're, we're moving on to draft season faster and faster each week. And, you know, we got to kind of start filling in the blanks here a little bit better. Uh, the defense is what we're going to mainly talk about today. But before we get to that, I would like to talk about a few offensive concerns I have. And I'll, we'll mention a few things that happened this last weekend. It wasn't an all dud weekend, but there, there was some fun things. So the first thing concern wise, number one is Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he was limited in the game against Iowa last week. Now they didn't really need him. So you know, he can play limited. It appears that he's also going to be limited this week against Penn state. And I, okay. So he was the number one wide receiver I had going into this draft, this, this upcoming draft. And he's fallen down to number three, unfortunately. Um, I don't think I can give him the full benefit of the doubt because here's the thing. I was hoping that last year, because he had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and himself on that team was the best player of those three players. It looked like, I mean, he was catching 14 balls in a game, 15 balls in a game. He was getting 200 yard games. He was, you know, having these insane receiving performances that really made you think like he's going to be the, you know, the next big deal. Like if, if Olave and Wilson were a downgrade from him last season, then I mean, shoot, this guy is going to be astronomical when it comes to this year's draft. And then he gets hurt in the first week against Notre Dame. And we've kind of just been treading water since then with him. Now, every mock draft you read still has him in the first round. Most of them even have him maybe as the second wide receiver taken. Jordan Addison's mostly taken over the number one wide receiver taken in a lot of these drafts. But um, he's been second for the most part. And we're getting to the point now where if he doesn't play well the entire season will he still be a first round wide receiver now i know that might sound like hyperbole based off of my entire summer um 
boosting this guy up as the number one wide receiver. But I can only go off of what we're actually watching. And the thing is, we're not watching him. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks phenomenal out there. Like, literally looks like what Jackson Smith and Jibba looked like last year with C.J. Stroud. Like, it's literally, it, we flipped the other way. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks phenomenal, insane. And, you know, the theme of this, that my concerns this week is going to be, what does it mean when the player ahead of you is, or behind you is better than you? Now, last year when we had this conversation and I was, you know, touting out the fact that Chris Olave was number three on the depth chart and, you know, he was the third best wide receiver. And what does that say about the, you know, him, if he can't even top the other two guys on his own team. Now, I think that that might be the case that just happens to be all three of them are phenomenal talents. And the fact that he's number three is not a slight. That is just, he is number three out of all of the good wide receivers on the team. But I, I just I have a tough time because at least last year you, there was a couple of games from Chris Olave where you're just like, okay, I can see what people see in him. Like I get it, I get why he's a first round draft pick. Jackson Smith and Jigba right now doesn't have a single bit of tape to show from this season. Really, he has like three catches on the year. I don't really understand or know how this is going to go in the draft process, and I would not be shocked if we get to the end of maybe November, you know, that's next, next week. If we start talking about like what happens if he doesn't play this season. And I think that's an actual concern that we need to start thinking about out loud rather than, you know, just kind of whispering and saying, well, he, we saw what he did last year. Like, Oh, Oh, well, I mean, I know who that guy is. I've seen, I saw him play last year. He, he was good last year. Some point we got to get to the, the, the goods. Like we got to see it again, but I don't know. Um, my number two concern moving on from that one is Zach Evans is clearly not as good as Quinshawn Judkins on Old Miss. Now, Zach Evans has been a pretty consensus, not even just, like, not just me, just everybody has been saying he's a top five running back in this class and he does grade out well. Um, I've seen a, a lot of grades that have him, you know, doing well, but I mean, Again, this is another thing about the running backs. And this, you know, running backs more than wide receivers. Wide receivers, I, I think it's explainable when you're number three on the depth chart or number three in targets on your own team or something like that. I think that's explainable. You know, maybe it's a matchup-based problem. But when it's a running back, okay, now I'm thinking. Like, now my 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 wheels are turning a slight tad bit. And clearly Lane Kiffin trusts Quinshawn Judkins more than he trusts Zach Evans. I mean – when they were playing LSU this past weekend, and given, given, it uh, wasn't exactly going Ole Miss's way at all. Zach Evans wasn't in there, and he was hurt, mind you. So, I, I, I get that, but it's just Quinshawn Judkins looks really good, and whenever they're splitting time, he still looks better. And then when you give him all of that workload that he had against Old Miss this past weekend, 25 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, how are you going to give the work back to Zach Evans when he gets back? Now, part of this is a, you know, is a transfer portal. You know, he Zach Evans came in from TCU, which <laughs> that looks funny looking back. Had he stayed at TCU, he'd be on an undefeated team right now. Um, but Old Miss really could have used him out there this past week. And, 
I'm not sure he's going to fully get that job back when he gets back. I think this might be Judkins' backfield. And although I love the name Judkins, I mean, that's just a phenomenal name. Um, it makes me a tad nervous that he's not, you know, uh, in this root base problem is the fact that last year for Texas A&M, we had this entire, like everybody on this podcast, all the people that were doing this saying and wondering what in the world was happening um, with Isaiah Spiller on Texas A&M last season. It was weird that like Devin, a chain was better than him. Like that was just, it was a really strange proposition um, to look at. And it just kind of makes me wonder a little bit of like, I don't know. Maybe we should be thinking about when these guys get overtaken in their own backfields. What what does that mean? And listen, it might not mean anything at all. I just have like taking Zach Evans in Dynasty this next season seems risky to me personally. Just very risky to me. And I, I guess we'll see what happens, but I don't know. Um, I'll get on to my number three real quick so we can get on to the defense, but Travion Henderson, he's not eligible to be drafted this year. So I'm not trying to, you know, I don't want to put that out there. I don't want to make it seem like he is a, a person that we're worried about this season, but for the future, Travion Henderson was the best running back in football going into this, this season. I don't see him getting that job fully back, even when he gets fully healthy, you know, he was banged up earlier, but I don't think he is going to get this work back fully from uh, Mayon Williams. I think Mayon Williams, you know, might be the better running, not be, not be the better running back, just a good enough to split the workload from Travion Henderson, which is concerning to me because Travion Henderson, I thought was going to be, I thought he was better than B. John Robinson. I thought he was the next complete back to come out of the, you know, come out of college football. But I mean, B. John Robinson, looks like that guy. Travion Henderson does not. And again, I'll, I'll, we can blame injury for a little while. And a lot of these guys, like Zach Evans, same thing. But if your backup looks really good in the same offense that you're running, I don't love that. I really don't. So kind of sucks, but we move on. Okay. We're going to talk about defense today. Um, I know that you know, offensive draft is kind of the big splashy names. Like that's what you're going to need for dynasty, but this is an IDP channel. And I do want to give a little love to the IDP players because we do have a few IDP based, you know, talents that we need to talk about. So I want to get, you know, kind of an update for them and kind of let you all know where we stand at this point. So Number one, we're just we're gonna start with the pass rushers. Okay, before I even get to pass rushers, my bad. I should I should preface all this. Um, this is not an extremely special linebacker class. It's not an extremely special safety class. Um, so while I will get to them at the end, I just want you to know like, if if you're if you're banking on somebody to come from this draft, that's going to be the one of the best safeties or best linebackers. It, they're not there yet and it's not developed out, but our edge rushers and our D linemen are developed out and they are good. So we're going to just touch on them at, for most of this. And then I'll touch on linebackers and safeties at the end, because that is the other two positions that you'll want to know. Um, so defensive or edge rushers, 
We'll start with the top, Will Anderson. Um, he is number one. He's going to remain number one. I don't care what his stats look like. And nobody else is either, by the way. But he has six sacks on the season, 12 tackles for loss, 36 tackles in total. Um, that's higher than a lot of the other names on this list. I mean, the sack total isn't the highest. He's, you know, tied with a lot of guys. And he, you, he could tell you himself that he's a little frustrated with him, his ability to not get those sacks. Um, that he has. Um, but I mean, guys, he's a set it and forget it guy. He is going to go in the top five of the draft. Like it's a no brainer for any team. Um, that's going to take him and whatever team that you, you know, he is, he is better than Thibodeau. He is better than Hutchinson. He's better than Trayvon Walker. Like he's better than all of those guys. So when you, Draft him onto your team. We're talking like, you know, and I keep kept saying this in the offseason. This is like drafting Miles Garrett. Like, this is like drafting TJ Watt. Like, you know, they're not, he's obviously not going to come in and be those guys right away, but this is the level that we're talking about. His grade is at that level or even higher. I mean, he's going to grade out higher than TJ Watt, but that was because they kind of missed a little <laughs> few things in the grading process. But why well, you can't always trust draft grades, by the way. But, Will Anderson is going to be that guy. You're going to be able to draft him. I believe in, if you're in a 12 team league, he is first round um, eligible. I think in most like super flex leagues, we may have a conversation about that because there's a lot of quarterbacks. So to have, you know, based on where all the quarterbacks land in the draft, I think that might be, might kind of push him out. But if it's just a one quarterback league, Will Anderson's going to be in there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind about him, and I'm happy that he is up there. So number two on our list is Miles Murphy from Clemson. He is going to also receive a pretty elite grade for most people from as an edge rusher. Um, he's got five and a half sacks on the season, nine tackles for loss, 26 tackles. Um, the thing about Miles Murphy is that he is consistent, and he also has to share on that defense. Like he. I would, you know, he's like a co-alpha dog. Will Anderson is the alpha dog on that defense. Miles Murphy's kind of the co-alpha dog because um, there's a D-tackle on the team named Brian Breesey, um, who hasn't been there all season but has played a lot in the past especially. Um, and he kind of co-runs um, that team, I would say. Um, so... I would say Miles Murphy, he, he's definitely, you know, he kind of lives in that Dabo Sweeney, like versatile uh, position that puts him in the best space. Now, the thing about being in that spot, I'm not going to lie to you, and it scares a lot of people off, is that's what Isaiah Simmons was in that defense. And he's a very polarizing figure um, in the IDP community. So I can understand why if you say, oh, he's, he's versatile, he's coming out of Clemson, that's interesting wasn't that what isaiah simmons was supposed to? i don't think it's quite that i think he's he's better than that it's just he's a versatile player he can drop into coverage so i think you know there's no real worry about him in this class okay moving on from that we have i'm just gonna put him up there because i i you know he he's not gonna grade out the highest but i still just love him and that's andre carter from army um, he's only got two and a half sacks on the year. He's only played five games, two and a half tackles for loss, 21 tackles. Um, the thing is, is he is just, he's the fastest rusher in this class. I just, I, I just wish 
that everybody could see how special he is on that defense and how special he is as a player. The man is 6'7". He is a giant, a giant out there. And the tape isn't always going to look great. I understand, and I'm not trying to like freak people out because when you hear two and a half sacks, you're like, okay, well, hell of an Ed Rusher you got there, Bill. That, that's, that guy sounds great. I just – he's better than that. He is way better than that. He had – he was – second in sacks last year and this year he's just kind of getting um really covered by the o-line uh, and he is not being allowed to do what he is able to do so i think at the next level they're not going to be doing quite the same thing against him so he is going to be fine um on to number four and i'm picking isaiah foskey from notre dame um notre dame's defense has kind of been the one thing about them that you kind of want to you know you kind of actually go for on this team um he's got six sacks on the season i've really liked foskey's game um he is the one special bright spot on that defense um we also thought it was going to be brandon joseph the safety there that transferred in but he hasn't really lived up to the hype and filling in for kyle hamilton um and a lot of people i'm sure are turned off by what kyle hamilton's put out in the nfl this year so i you know Foskey is the player that you're going to want from that Notre Dame defense and just the, his ability to get to the, to the uh, passer is something special. He's going to get a, he's going to get a pretty high grade. Like when I say that, like when I mention these grades, like these are not, you know, I'm, I'm just compiling from a, a larger database. Like, you know, I'm, I'm seeing bleacher report, seeing PFF, seeing like all these different sites and kind of just compiling what I see from them into a kind of, you know, digested version of that. And the one thing that like Isaiah Foskey is going to grade out better than any linebacker in this draft. That's just a fact that is, is going to be for sure. There's only going to be a couple of D linemen that probably are ahead of him, but for the most part, Isaiah Foskey is going to be the third best defensive. Well, maybe fifth best defensive player in this class. And, that's going to mean something like that's going to mean something when it comes to the first round. I think we could definitely see him going in that 15 to 20 range and whoever gets him, he's going to be on the field right away. Unless he goes to like the Eagles, for example, I don't think he's going to get on the field right away. Then um, hopefully they don't stockpile any more talent that we may not see for a couple of years. Um, they seem to like to do that, but whatever the case may be, I understand. All right, moving on. Number five is Felix Nduke Uzama from Kansas State. Six and a half sacks on the season, and I will tell you that he is a man among boys. I have, like, literally, I watched every snap of his destruction of the Oklahoma O-line. It was a sight to behold. I mean, it took two of them to take him back, and even then it wasn't really that useful or it wasn't really that, that uh, effective. So, this guy's just going to get my grade. He's he's not going to be as high on everybody else's list, but it's just sometimes you just have these like instincts about you. And that that's what I have towards him. I just see what I'm seeing from him is a freak of nature that I, I just think is going to translate at the next level. I, he's going to be at the senior bowl and I cannot wait. I hope I get to talk to him because I think that he is a special talent and I really hope that um, it can shine through and get up there to, you know, wherever he lands in the future. So that's Felix and Duque. He's number five. Number six, BJ Ojulari from LSU. Um, he has been banged up a little bit this season for LSU. LSU 
wasn't really having the season to remember, and then they decided to kind of have a season to remember. I don't know. It's kind of been confusing for LSU this far. But BJ Ojulari has always been, you know, he's got a good bloodline. We we love bloodlines around here. That's why Felix and Duke Uzama, he is uh, CJ Uzama's either brother or cousin. Still need to clarify that before we get to the actual draft. But we love bloodlines around here. And BJ Ojulari, uh, his brother is Aziz Ojulari from the Giants. So, you know, these guys were just bred and born pass rushers. And BJ Ojulari is no um, slouch. Like he is, he's probably better than his brother, honestly. I think that by the time it's all said and done, I think he's probably going to end up with a better grade and he's probably going to have a better prospect for the future. So, BJ Ojulari is one of those guys I think you're going to see in the third or fourth round in your draft, you're going to be hovering over it. It's really going to depend on where he, like what position they label him as, because my fear is that they go with defensive linemen, which is not his position, but I I can't always make defensive NFL defensive player. You know, I can't always make defensive coaches play the players where they're meant to be played. Sometimes it takes a few years. I don't know. Here, you know, before we get move on, by the way, how come sometimes it feels like we all know something that it seems like the NFL coach whose job it is doesn't know it? I, I don't know. Like I, I wish I had a better example off the top of my head, but there's just it always feels like there's like a player or two. Like okay, all perfect example here is uh, Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears this year. We all knew that Justin Fields should be used not necessarily like a complete Lamar Jackson type player, but he should have designed runs in the playbook. It took them this long to finally do it. Like they finally put plays in the playbook for him that were meant designed runs and mixed in with the pass. And they looked phenomenal on offense. The Bears did finally. And it's like, duh. Like it's so, I don't know. It's so stupid because it's just like, how do I know that? How do I know that? And you don't know that you're in practice every day. You were literally paid to be an NFL head coach or defensive coach or offensive coach or whatever. How am I knowing this? And you're not, it's very, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate saying that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, well, you go couch warrior, but whatever. Nonetheless, um, I'll speed through these so we can get through the rest of them really quick. Number seven is Nolan Smith from Georgia. We were all kind of hoping he was going to be better this year with a more prominent role. He's not quite been um, three sacks, six tackles for loss, six, ta- you know, 16 tackles as, as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Not that big of a deal. Um, haven't been totally worried about um, that as a, as a, a whole um, number seven on this list will be Jared verse from Florida state. He had kind of a really big sack monster game at the beginning of the season. And then he's kind of been fighting off injury ever since got injured in the, uh, Louisville game, and he's kind of hasn't always been exactly what he's he was in those first couple games, but I still believe, and I think you should too. Um, number eight, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. He's got six sacks on the season. He's just, I'm telling you, these Wisconsin uh, edge rushers are just built different, and Nick Herbig looks like another one of those guys. He's another one of those, those freaks that you're uh, going to need to remember in your draft. Um, and then number 10, I'll end up with Will McDonald from Iowa State. Um, Iowa State, I mean, Will McDonald's always, you know, he preseason, we all thought he was going to be a defensive player of the Big 12 for the year, but he hasn't really gotten that same love all the way around. 
But I think just that leftovers from what he was last season based on plus what he's been doing this season so far. Um, I think that has been great, great for him going into this. So um, moving on, to, I'll, I'll quickly get to the linebackers and safety just because I said I would. So Noah Seawall is still number one uh, for Oregon. No change there. He's been great. Oregon defense has gotten better. Um, I wouldn't say that they're completely great, but you know they're still kind of giving up a lot of plays on the ground. But whatever, he's still that big, or still that good. Uh, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. I love love saying that a hundred times. Simpson from Clemson has been fantastic this year. Um, it's it it's not. He's good. He's not going to be a linebacker that you're starting anytime soon. I'll just say that. Uh, Henry Toyo Toyo from Alabama kind of been sleepwalking through the season a little bit, in my opinion, kind of his grade has gone way down way past what we thought it was going to be. So it's not really been all that good. Uh, Drew Sanders is somebody that I'm actually really kind of interested in, um, going forward, but he's not, you know, we're still, like I said, we're not really getting that same love that we thought we would get. And then Justin Flo from Oregon as well. Um, kind of a mystery before the season, kind of worse than I think we all thought he would be, but that, you know, that's always tough. Uh, the D lineman, Jalen Carter is the highest graded defensive player in this entire draft. I believe over Will Anderson. Um, he's not really going to be a guy that you're going to, you know, you're going to take him probably in the draft. I would not say high, and I would not suggest you to take him high. He will be a, like I said, defensive tackle or defensive lineman, if that's how you play. Probably not going to get a ton of stats year one, but there's always a chance. There's always a chance. Um, and then Brian Breesy, how, how I had, who I had mentioned earlier uh, for them from Clemson. Um, he's missed a couple games this year due to injury and off the field. Uh, family matters that he's attended to, which is you know completely fine. Didn't take anything away from his talent. Wasn't an injury, so he was fine, and he will be. Good going forward and a good player to take in this draft. And then uh, let's get to the, the safeties. This is a, a rough bunch here. Um, so Jordan Battle is the best of them. I will say that for Alabama. I, I think he's going to be somebody that you are – he's probably the safety you're looking at from this, but we're not ta- We're not talking Kyle Hamilton. I, you know, I think we're talking Brisker. Like I think we're talking a situational safety that you may get something out of if he goes to the complete right spot. You know, he's going to have to go to a team that is in need of a safety because I'm afraid that we're looking at, you know, not to put any shade on him, but like Dax Hill for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we might be looking at a bunch of Dax Hills in this draft and might not see them year one, might take a few years for them to catch on. But, you know, Dax Hill could have been a guy that that was never out. Um, Also, Antonio Johnson for Texas A&M is good. Brandon Joseph, who we thought was going to be better, but he's not. You know, these are just guys that uh, are going to eventually maybe mean something in the NFL, but to start out with, definitely not. Okay, so we'll preview quickly week nine because there are some interesting games to talk about. Uh, First one we'll talk about is Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, Ohio State, we have, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be on limited snap on, I don't want that to sound like unlimited, on limited snaps. So, Probably not going to get to see the full Jackson Smith and Jigba um, experience. Um, the one, the matchup I am interested to see in this one, especially, is CJ Stroud versus Joey Porter. 
Is he even going to try Joey Porter Jr.? I don't know. Joey Porter Jr. is the best cornerback in this class. Is C.J. Stroud even going to try him? I would love to see something. I, you know, If they put Joey Porter Jr. on Marvin Harrison, we are going to have a game. Um, that's probably a matchup that could have happened a long time ago. Marvin Harrison versus Joey Porter. <laughs> I don't know. I think they played at the same time. That could have been an old an old matchup there. But interesting to see. I, I would love to see this game. I don't think Penn State's got much of a chance, unfortunately. But alas, here we are. Syracuse plays Notre Dame this weekend. Um, Notre Dame's got a really great defense, and Sean Tucker – um, has been really coming on as a running back this season. And, you know, I, I have him in the top five running backs in this class. So him going against that Notre Dame defense, I, I'm excited to see it. What they were able to do against Clemson last week, they should have won that game. You know, I'm not one of those the, the games are rigged guys, but, man, that was tough watch. That was a really tough watch because it felt suspicious. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Kentucky plays Tennessee. This is Will Levis versus Hendon Hooker. Straight up. Love this. Love this so much. Um, I love seeing the quarterbacks that are going to go in, like the first round of the draft. Like Will Levis has already been mocked up there. Hendon Hooker is trying to make his way up there. I don't understand how people are waiting so long to put him up there because he should be up there right now. So that one's going to be a fun one. That Like if I had to lock in on one game, that would be the one uh, for this week. Um Two more quickly, USC versus Arizona. There's a kid from Arizona named Jacob Cowing who leads the leads the nation in uh, completed downfield passes. Um, he's a wide receiver that I've kind of had like floating around the bottom of my wide receiver pile for a while, but I just you know I don't like the consistency. I think seeing him against USC will mean more to me than has some of these other games. Um, and then to finish it out, Old Miss versus Texas A&M. I wish there was more stakes involved with this one because there's so many good players on both sides of the football. But again, I don't know what we're really going to get from both. Ole Miss, I, I would love to see Zach Evans play, but Judkins is somebody that, you know, I, I've been watching Judkins and I've been liking what I've seen from Judkins. Um, there's a couple wide receivers on Ole Miss as well that I think will be interesting to watch. And then Texas A&M, the Devin A Chain show um, is out in full force. So that should be exciting. And then, you know, Antonio John or yeah, Antonio Johnson, the safety there. And he's always fun to watch. But this this slate is it's good. It's you know, I wouldn't say it's the dream, but it's a good slate of football. There's a lot of good NFL talent that's going to be playing this weekend. And although we don't have our fearless Alabama, um, we move on <laughs> without them. Um, also, Georgia plays Florida this weekend, which could end up being a fun game if Anthony Richardson can get his uh, stuff together. So we'll see. But that's all I got for you this week. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, I will see you next week.